This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And today we're looking at what it means to live your life child-free. The data shows that a growing number of Australians are choosing to do exactly that. So what has underpinned that shift? You know, we hear anecdotally that sometimes it's about lifestyle or financial reasons, even concerns about your environmental impact if you have kids. So what does a child-free life look like for you? What has your experience been? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is The Conversation Hour. And this is Bronwyn O'Shea with you again today, filling in for Rochelle Hunt. And I do want to just give a little nod to the people who might be listening today who aren't able to have children, because that's a really important conversation too. It's a different conversation though, isn't it? And it's not the one that we are having today, but of course we are thinking of you as we explore this topic. Susan Moore is the author of Child Free Zone, a book she co-authored with her hubby. Hi, Susan. Hi, Bronwyn. So I wouldn't, I just want to flag, I would never and have never just randomly asked someone, why don't you have kids? <laughs> but because that's the subject of our conversation today and you've written a book about it, I feel like I can ask you, yeah? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that people feel they can ask. Um, so I think it's less common now, but certainly when um, I was first married, it was a question that came up a lot. Mm. And so how would you react um, at first, because I was quite young when we married, um, my husband and I used to say, uh, even though we consciously made a decision that we were not going to have children, we used to say, oh, not yet, we're too young, or maybe maybe later in our 30s. We'd kind of soften it and delay the decision and then or, or delay the, um, the response. And then we decided, no, we'll just be honest about it and say, no, actually, we've decided not to have children. And that's when we started to get more interesting reactions. Why do you think you felt the need to pull back a little bit and not be completely upfront straight away about it? Um, I think because it invited more questions and also um, uh, I think a lot of our friends at the time were having children and they seemed to take our choice as a criticism of their choice. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, take, take offence to it in some way, I think. I'm really surprised by that. I just, I just really don't understand what there is to be offended by. Why do you think no, I, some people felt that way? I really don't either. I mean, to me, it's just a personal choice. Um, there's, I, I've heard so many different reasons as to why people might choose not to have children. And so you just can't make any assumptions about it. And um, I think there was just a few, there were some assumptions about it at the time, particularly um, saying that you were selfish if you were not having children or, you know, something like that. So it, yeah, it's, I think it was about perceptions on their side rather than what I was actually thinking. You do hear that a bit, that there's a, um, a perception that it's a selfish choice. I'm interested in what is perceived as selfish about it. Yeah, me too, because at the end of the day, I think people make the decision that's best for them. And in, that's inherently selfish, whether you're choosing to have children or not have children. It's, you know, everyone's thinking about what's best for them and, the, and their potential child, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I can't see how one choice is less selfish than another. Are you happy to share, you know, the, why you and your husband chose not to? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm an only child and didn't grow up around other children. And to be honest, it's not a decision 
that I made consciously not to have children. It's just something I've never wanted to do. I never saw myself as a mother. I just had no interest in it. Still <laughs> don't. And so, um, you know, I, it wasn't that I you know, sort of changed my mind and suddenly thought, no, I don't want to have children. It was really something I'd never considered. And partly it was to do with, um, I suppose, the freedom to do many other things with my life. And, um, yeah, and just also this nagging feeling that I wouldn't be a great mum. Hmm. Was it something that you flagged early in relationships, Susan? Yes, it was. So um, I once had a dream many years ago as a teenager that I met the man of my dreams and um, he declared that he wanted six children and I had to you know, make a quick dash for it. <laughs> but um, when I met my husband, David, it was something we discussed really early on and um, luckily we agreed on that um, subject because it's not the case with a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, it does cause a bit of friction in relationships where expectations of the number or number of children that you're going to have is different um, between the pair. But um, yeah, luckily we agreed on it quite early and it was actually one of the reasons we decided to get married. It, getting married wasn't really something on my cards either. I just, I didn't really think, I thought maybe I would when I was older or maybe not at all. And it wasn't really until I met somebody who um, agreed with me on that fundamental choice about, that I'd made um, that we got married. So you wrote a book called The Child-Free Zone. What made you want to write a book about the topic? Yeah, it was a long time ago now, but it was it was really in response to those questions and the reactions to them that we were getting. So we were, um, I was married at 23 and then um, wrote that book, I think brought it out when it was, I was 30. So it, it was really, we, we started getting questions about it and my husband said to me, um, oh, the next person who asked me that, I just want to hand them a pamphlet. Um, and at the time, there were quite a lot of books about um, parenting that were um, were pretty popular at the time about raising boys and all these different mm. of raising only children. There were all these sort of different books out, out on the market. So I went to have a look to see if there was anything about um, people who'd made the choice not to have children. And there wasn't. There really was nothing at the time. So David and I decided to do it. And what was that experience like, actually sitting down and, and capturing um you know, your experience and the experiences of others. Yeah, it was um, the most fascinating thing to me was um, we interviewed um, or surveyed 80 different people from different ages, so age, men and women, but mostly women, um, from around the age of 20 up into their 80s. And it was just really fascinating to hear the different stories that people had because I kind of assumed that there'd be a lot of people like myself, people interested in having a career and travelling and maybe only children who weren't used to being around a lot of kids and, and people who were like me and I found something completely different. So it was it was really interesting to see, um, I suppose, the different reasons that people had. Uh, the other thing that was interesting to me was particularly with the older people um, to see that they did not regret their choice because that was something that came up a lot as well. People would say, oh, you'll regret it, you'll mm. be lonely in your old age and there'll be no one around to look after you. And and that just simply isn't true. I mean, I've just, it, it's true. It can be true whether you have children or don't have children. So, um, unfortunately, and, you know, I was just so happy to see, uh, hear from those older people who had really fulfilling lives and didn't regret their choice one bit. 
Susan Moore is who you're talking to, author of Child Free Zone. As we explore what it means to live your life child free, 1300 222 774 if you'd like to join the conversation. Susan, stay with us. There's a few texts coming in on this topic which I'd like to share. Um, this says a child free life for me and my partner is being the fun aunts of our nephews and niece. It's relaxing weekends by the pool or doing what we want at the drop of a hat. Financially, we have benefited from not having children, says Adelina in Croydon North. Um, This I would never judge, and I don't know anybody who judges child-free women or child-free couples. Um, And Annette says... The selfish choice reason always puzzled me. For those who have children, who are they having them for? Themselves, I would suggest. Um, And another here, people think that perhaps the child-free couple may not be able to have children. I wonder, is that something that you've had to navigate yourself, Susan, that that conversation? Um, Yeah, in some cases, I think I've probably let people think that. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, uh, to be honest, um, as you mentioned in your introduction, um, choice versus not having a choice are two completely different things. And I really try to make it clear that for me, it's a choice. And for a lot of people, it can be circumstance. They just simply end up at their childbearing years without a partner or, or the ability to have children for whatever reason, maybe it's financial or health or otherwise. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, people who are unable to have kids. So I'm really careful to make that distinction. Yeah, and there's a text here saying choice. What about not finding a partner? And that is a, a completely different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yeah, um, huge issue. So, Susan, once you said when you wrote the book, and this is 23 years ago or so, um, that at that time there were lots of books about how to raise a family, but not so many books about how to live child-free. Um, what was the response then when you wrote your book and, and put it out there? Oh, it was it was really um, it was interesting. Uh, at the time, the uh, the treasurer at the time um, had brought out this baby bonus that was going to be paid to people to have children in Australia, and um, the birth rate was declining at what some said was an alarming rate. So it was a very popular topic in the media. So we ended up with, um, you know, quite a lot of um, uh, interviews out of it at the time. And we got, received a lot of letters and um, email at the time from people who'd, um, you know, who were just so relieved to find other people like them, um, which really surprised me. I was amazed at the thought. We thought we might get some maybe some hate mail, I don't know quite know why, but we did. And mm-hmm. um, we ended up getting a lot of letters from people who, you know, felt that they were quite alone, particularly if they were in a, you know, a rural community or in a family where everybody had children except for them. And they, they were just relieved to find other people who felt and thought like them. So that was really heartening. Um, I also received a remarkable number of letters from people who had regretted having their children, which was also heartbreaking. Yeah, wow. And and there's a text here that says, um, people are always offended by someone choosing differently, like drinkers demanding to know why someone doesn't drink. And yeah, there can be an element <laughs> of that, can't there? Um, a couple more texts coming here too. I chose not to bring a child into the world as I didn't want them to suffer the consequences of what we're doing to the planet. And we're sort of hearing that that's a, a perhaps becoming a more common reason is, is a driven by environmental concerns and concerns about our our own footprint on the world. Susan, you know, as someone who I guess is, has uh, linked yourself to, to a child-free life, do you hear a different and emerging reasons why people might be making that choice? 
I think that's been a reason people have made the choice for a very long time. I think there was a woman we interviewed for the book who was very influenced by David Suzuki, I think in the 60s or 70s, um, talking about the impact of population growth on the planet. But I think it's certainly more common now and certainly with what we're seeing um, with climate change, um, people are really concerned about the impact of, you know, the sheer number of people we have on the planet. And um, I I think it's a valid concern. I mean, you know, there's... We can do all the things we'd like to individually, but if there's more of us, it's a, a, you know increasing problem. And Martin says here we chose to see the world rather than contributing to the problems that this rock is facing. Besides, our surnames aren't significant enough to have to continue, says Martin. And this text from Rosalind in Richmond, not having children gives you the opportunity to do what you want, when you want, but the government does not give support to single people as we have one income, not adding to Medicare payments. That's an interesting point Rosalind raises about the financial aspect, Susan, because I guess um, in the in the previous view of this conversation with Ali Moore on mornings she said oh you know one of the benefits would probably be a little bit more money in the bank um but are there are there other impacts financially on on being child free um it's an interesting one I mean I think certainly you know having children is a huge cost and you're instantly without that cost so it's it's a huge benefit um financially but there's there are there's certainly I think there's some people who haven't had children who feel a little little um, grudging about the proportionate amount of tax that they pay to, you know, to fund, I suppose, services and other things for children. But I really don't. I just, I think it's a, as a society, we have to contribute to the well-being of the next generation, whether they're our own children or not. It's just a, you know, crazy argument to be having. Hmm. Susan, you co-authored the book with your husband. I'm interested in whether it's a different sort of experience for men and women. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I do think it's a little different. Firstly, I think um, children are less likely to come up in conversations for men. So it's you know if you if you meet someone new as a female, you know of that age anyway, um, you're more likely to be asked whether you have kids. And I don't think particularly in the workplace, men get asked those kinds of questions as often. Um, that said, I think there's there's also there might be stereotypes about childless women, but there's also stereotypes about childless men that they might you know have never grown up and be you know still kids themselves or um you know there's there's some i suppose some perceptions around that but yeah i I think generally it just comes up less for them than for women because for us it's a i suppose a bigger impact on our lives mostly there's so many text messages coming in. Thank you, and I'm doing my best to, to get to them all on 0437-774-774. Your guest, Susan Moore, the author of Child Free Zone, as we take a look at what it means now to live child-free. Um, I wonder if the the landscape for um, child-free people is a little bit different now, Susan, than 23 years ago when you wrote your book. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely think it is. It, at the time, there, I think there was a lot of hysteria about the population declining and our birth rate going down. And, um, you know, I think I think it, socially it was a little bit less acceptable. And now, you know, I, I think people are less likely to see it as being a problem of any kind now, um, which is, is great. And I, I start, I do wonder though, if it's just a factor of my age, because um, you know, now that I'm in my 50s, people don't ask those questions, whereas in your 20s, they do. So, mm. And there's a text message in particular. 
uh, interesting text message um, thinking about the age saying I'm 52 in a long-term relationship I've never had the desire to have children and I think I would not have been a great mum mentally not strong enough but unfortunately now the when are you having children question is how many grandkids do you have it never stops (laughs) yeah my poor mum gets that one (laughs) yeah um, thank you so much for being with us, Susan, um, and kickstarting our conversation today. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, Bronwyn. Appreciate it. Susan Moore, author of Child Free Zone. You're on the conversation hour as we look today at what it means to live your life child free because growing number of Australians are doing that. What has underpinned that shift, do you think? And if that's your life, what has your experience been? This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Bronwyn O'Shea with you today. Peter in Yarraville says, environmentally, I'm not so concerned about contributing to the population boom as to bringing someone into a collapsing ecosystem and misery. Well, that's a bit miserable, Peter. Uh, and Geraldine says, I sometimes wish I could just enjoy a cafe lunch without noisy children and oblivious parents. <laughs> and you know what? That's not something that frustrates only people without children. <laughs> that also frustrates people with children. Um, and Bob says, re not having children, lots of peer pressure in my 30s and 40s to breed. Now I'm in my early 60s. I feel like I have dodged a bullet by choosing not to procreate but I am male. Uh, Bob, great to hear from you because I think the perspective of men living child-free is perhaps not heard as much as women and we don't focus on that as much. So I really want to make sure that we hear plenty of stories from blokes today. So you can call in on 1300 222 774 as we talk about the the reasons people live a child-free life and what that experience then is like. Cannot keep up with the text messages coming through um so thank you for all of this Uh, i don't expect anything extra being a singleton says Anne. but a day off every now and then for no reason other than to have a day off and to celebrate the fact that we're single would be good maternity leave for single people says Anne. oh gosh but no Anne, you don't want the equivalent of maternity leave because that is not a holiday (laughs) you can have a proper break not not something like that um i'm 45 says this text no kids don't want them i love kids but i've just never wanted them enough to go out and make that happen i will never understand the narrative that it's selfish not to have children i think i'm the unselfish one Thank you for that. Um, Jodie is with us now. Jodie runs a Facebook group for child-free folk in Melbourne. Hi, Jodie. Hi. So why did you set up this group? Um, I uh, My career has mostly been performing artist most of my life, mm-hmm. um, which has led me to move to multiple countries, multiple cities. Uh, so I'm used to having to make a new batch of friends all the time. Um, and the best way to make new friends is to find people with things in common. And being child-free is just a really practical thing to have in common because we tend to have more spare time to hang out together. And you don't have to have dinner at 5 o'clock at night. <laughs> we often do have dinner kids. at 5 o'clock <laughs> at night, though, because we get up and work. Um, a lot of us do. Uh, we, we call it geriatric dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Yeah, we we often have like afternoon get-togethers and mid-morning get-togethers. Yeah, and what's been yeah. good, Jody, about having that way to connect with people and finding your people, I suppose, in that way? Well, um, 
When I first made the group and posted it live, uh, hundreds of people joined up within hours. Um, I guess that's the, the type of suburb I live in um, because it's all very local to Fitzroy. Uh, but the result was that we all started, you know, people started posting events and so there have been dinners and picnics and theatre and tennis and wineries and galleries and um, actually the Melbourne Comedy Festival is on at the moment. Uh, that has been a flurry of activity on WhatsApp. Um, mm. And last winter, a bunch of us holidayed for a week on Magnetic Island and this winter we're going to Hamilton Island. So yeah, um, it's definitely paid off. <laughs> And doesn't that show, that huge response you had straight away does suggest that there's, um, well, if not an interest, uh, if not a need, then certainly a huge interest in what you've done. Yeah, I think it is something that probably does uh, bond people a lot because uh, we've all, of course, um, grown up and many of our friends have gone off and had kids. And so, of course, we often see them less or we, in my case, uh, some of my friends who have kids are now separated, single. Um, so I tend to hang out with those mates when the kids are off with their other partner. Um, mm. So yeah, just different changing social environments. It is interesting. I remember when I moved to this area, northeast Vic, where I live now, didn't have kids then. And people said, oh, you know, you'll find that once you have kids and they go to school, you'll meet people, you'll make friends for life. You know, there was a lot of focus on the kids kind of being the gateway to lifelong friendships, which is interesting and interesting, Jodie, when you don't have that gateway, you know, kids aren't in the um picture. Interesting that they think of finding friends as a thing that you can do after you have kids. Uh, it makes it sound like kids are actually a barrier in that case. Um, yeah. But I really think it depends on how you live your life. It's pretty, it's becoming very common, very popular to not have kids now. Um, so I, I feel like there's been quite a shift and it's shifting probably faster and faster. Mm. And for that reason, I kind of wonder whether... I mean, I've, I've read a little bit of stuff around preparing for this program that we live in a bit of a pronatalist society. You know, there's sort of still that expectation that, oh, yeah, most people will have a family. Um, I wonder if you, you kind of see a place to rethink or restructure the way we do things because this is becoming a, an increasingly common, you know, way of life for people. Um, I don't think uh, it needs to be even like a political, yeah, I'm, I'm very much not a political person. Um, uh, when we get together, we're not talking about not having kids or we're basically talking about the things we do do. So maybe the social shift could be towards focusing on what people want to do rather than what the previous generation has done. Great to talk to you, Jodie. And um, I'm just feeling a little bit slightly envious of all your great dates and getaways <laughs> to Magnetic Island and all the rest. <laughs> yeah. Jodie runs, yeah, runs a Facebook group for child-free folk in Melbourne and that is the subject of today's conversation hour. What does a child-free life look like? Knowing that increasing numbers of people are choosing that, what's underpinned that shift and, and what does life look like? This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. A child-free life, what does that look like? Kyle's in Ballarat, what's your take on this? 
Um, so I'm quite younger. So I'm like in, I'm in my early 20s. Um, and I've only just recently gotten back into university. Congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, and I have been talking about sort of my part, my partner and I have been talking about whether or not we want kids in the future. Um, and we, we find it quite hard to talk about. Um, because at times, you know, when we grew up, we sort of had these expectations that, you know, you go to school, get a job, you have a family and that's it. Like that's sort of the, the way that you sort of grow up. Mm. And my partner and I have been talking about the, you know, our individual careers, uh, travels that we want to do. Like we want to see places, we want to go visit other people. Um, we want to have really long, fulfilling careers uh, in our respective fields. And we think, like, talking about the, like, inflation, um, sort of how certain people react in our society and just how the economy is going at the moment, uh, housing prices. As someone who's, like, grown up, you know, as a kid being like, hey, look at all these... Um, you know, like, look at all this, look at this future. We're going to grow up and go, oh, we really only have two pathways to go. We can either have a long, fulfilling career or we have to, you know, provide for a family. Um, yeah, it's interesting yeah. that it feels like an either-or for you, Kyle. You can't really see that picture having both. No, no. Yeah, it's quite hard for us to sort of be like well maybe one person will stay at home or one person will go out into the career but you know with I'm sure everyone is experiencing this at the moment just the prices of everything have gone up like you see stores everywhere saying sorry there has been a raise because there's been a raises in price because you know certain products are more expensive to get now and it just seems like it might be a lot like it seems like we might have to throw away what we want to do in order to have a family. And it feels, Carl, as though you're really grappling with lots of very practical aspects to this decision rather than emotional drivers for, for Absolutely, that choice yeah. you might make. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I would love the opportunity to be a dad, you know, in the future. I think even now at this age, like, I really love that idea and I love the idea of starting a family. It's just, will I be happy to do that and not be where I you know where I want to be at the moment in a career wise do I not want to do that and become a dad or yeah well I wish you all the best in making that decision Kyle um and and where that takes you and good luck with your uni studies oh thank you so much <laughs> Kyle in Ballarat Maria's at Geelong hello Maria hello tell me your story so I'm nearly 73 and I grew up in a wonderful little western district town and um, I'm the eldest of nine children. My mother was one of 15 children. So you can think large Catholic Irish background family. <laughs> Got you, and yes. When, and we had a super happy childhood. Lots of activities, camping, being on farms and all sorts of things so it was all positive but when I was about 12 and I was washing up one Christmas day with a house of about 70 people washing up with my cousins my age I thought I'm not going to be like my mother and her sisters 
I will have relationships with men on my terms and I don't need to have children for myself. So uh, my life continued and I had wonderful, wonderful friends and jobs and all sorts of things, but go on to a couple more decades and when I was 40, I met this wonderful bloke and we got married when I was 43 and I have four wonderful stepsons and I worked very hard before I even met the boys or married my partner. They did not need a mum. They had a wonderful mum and I worked hard at being another adult in their lives. And this is the thing, Maria, isn't it, that special people in your life, they're not just parents. There's room for so many incredible adults to shape a young person's life and and you do not have to be the role of parent to do that. And also, I never, ever regretted not having children because I have brothers and sisters with who had children and babies and I've got loads of nieces and nephews and I love little people and children, but I have not for one second had a regret that I didn't have my own. Thank you for sharing your story, Maria, and the journey no that you've worries. been on. In Geelong, Maria joining us on the conversation hour. Lots of text messages to Kyle, who called just earlier. Be a good uncle and have a career, (laughs) says Bob. Uh, This text, a family friend of mine chose not to have children because while they were in their 20s and 30s, the threat of nuclear war just seemed so great and they felt it was a terrible moral problem. They now sadly wish they had taken the risk. This is a very hard issue for many people, writes that listener. Um, And Annabelle says... Everyone is bringing all these kids into this world. Where are they all going to live? Where will they get work? Where will all their food and water come from? How are they going to afford to live? Um, And another here, had three kids in my early 20s. When they left, I noticed going to movies and footy and school holidays left me feeling empty. A Christmas and Easter would not be the same without my grandkids. And this says, could choosing child-free be elitist? We will have to import culturally diverse people who want to breed. Interesting take on that. You can share a text 0437 774 774. Let's have a chat to Rochelle. Rochelle, you have found a great online community as someone who is child-free. What prompted you to seek that out? Hi, Bronwyn. Yeah, so I moved, I'm in Perth actually, and I moved to Perth in 2018 from Queensland at the age of 36. Yep. And uh, for a number of years, um, for the first four years living here, I was actually working autonomously, so I was working from home. And then, not long after I got here, to be honest, only about a year and a half, COVID sort of came over the horizon, and that also meant that we were kind of locked indoors. So I found myself in a pretty deep, dark hole of loneliness, and I didn't have any mechanism. Some of the, the most common mechanisms by which women in my age group make friends is through their workplace and um, through their kids' mums. And, and I just didn't have these, these options. Plus, um, you know, to join sort of a social group wasn't possible during COVID because mm. we were restricted. 
So anyhow, um, once things started to calm down over here in WA from about mid-2021 onwards, um, I, I sort of was still working autonomously and um, I thought, gosh, I really do need to do something about this because I'm in such a dark place. And I, I just went online and I did a search and I thought, well, the few women that I did know here in Perth did have kids and that had presented quite an obstacle to pinning them down. Um, to connect with and, and I thought you know what why don't I I need this community now for my mental health to support me I need to select for a group of people that I know can be there for me and that's why I found a group that I am. And what difference has it made Rochelle? Uh, well look it, it, I was pretty conscious about it all to be honest because I've been listening to some podcasts about loneliness and I knew that it was definitely this collective group loneliness that I was experiencing, not so much that really close intimate kind of loneliness that you have in your own household. And for me, the difference that it made was was astronomical. I would never have thought that you could actually have such a vast difference in your life. You can be at home with your partner or your family and feel completely fulfilled. But if you don't have that additional community of souls around you, um, it can just leave you so feeling so void. And this group is absolutely filled that cup for me and then some so I'm I'm busy when my partner's not around um, I have people that I can reach out to and go hey let's go grab a coffee or let's grab a wine and it just wow it really turned my life around what a great result Rochelle and good on you for actually taking the initiative to go and find you know that that network and that um that social group thank you I'm sorry we not great audio issues so we'll leave it there and head to Walter who's at Pasco Vale South welcome Walter oh, good morning what did you want to add well I was just intrigued by uh the reaction when Julia Gillard was prime minister she copped a hell of a lot of flack from uh, particularly the right-wing commentators, for being childless. Now, whether that was by choice or whether it was just happened that way, uh, it was irrelevant, should have been irrelevant. It shouldn't have come into the discussion at all. Yeah, and it was, was pretty gross, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Walter, thank you, and, and you're... I agree completely with you um a recent article says this text in new scientist claimed that the carbon footprint of having a child was about 100 times that of meat eating and 50 times an annual transatlantic flight um and victoria in brighton says choosing not to have children is not elitist it's just an individual choice why are australians so obsessed with reproducing uh thanks for that text as we talk about what a child-free life looks like as more and more Australians are choosing to do exactly that. What's your experience been? This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. You're with Bronwyn O'Shea today in the chair for Rochelle Hunt. As we talk about child-free living, I wonder if the reactions and the, and the um, experiences are a little different if you are a bloke versus a woman. It's something Imogene Smith has spent some time exploring. She's in the final weeks of her clinical doctorate of psychology. Hi, Imogene. Hi, Bronwyn. How are you? Good. Now, you actually spoke to a bunch of men about life childless and child-free and yeah. the impact that that has. What did you find? 
Yes, I did. Um, so this is part of a greater study, uh, sorry, a larger study, I should say, called Men and Parenting Pathways. And so we have over 600 men enrolled in that longitudinal study. So I, um, from a screening instrument where we asked men if they hoped to have a child, I took the men who said no, not at all. And we had about uh, 4% of that study said they had low desire for a child, so not at all. Um, which compares to the Australian kind of estimates of around five to 9% of men not wanting to have children. And I found that they had a variety of reasons, if you'd like to, I mean, they sort of didn't say they were reasons. It's more of a rationale mm. for- What were they? The, well, primarily the, the main thing that came out of it was that they, decide, they felt they were non-traditional, unconventional, a bit different, um, that they were taking the road less traveled. Um, and even in a, a, a counter normative kind of way, like a, a counter stance of a, that's what it's expected of me, but I'm not going to do it. Um, and, you know, live their life according to that too. So these are people who had, you know, just decided not to get married as well, largely, or had kind of artistic jobs um, or sort of really creative kind of jobs. And just that was their sort of identity was um, feeling like they weren't part of a very mainstream culture. Hmm. Do you think, do they feel as though they were treated differently or viewed differently perhaps to child-free women? You know, that didn't really come up a lot. I, I did ask about that. Um, mostly they said their wives and the occasional wife, there was an occasional wife or mostly girlfriends or partners were asked about it more often. But they still felt the pressure from society at large, as you've been talking about having a you know, pronatalist country with policies and, and values and ideals that are heavily laden with this idea that it's normal to procreate. And I mean, to some extent it is evolution wise, um, but our policies and our media sort of really perpetuate that. Um, so there was this sense that uh, they were being sort of pushed into it and they felt like their mothers maybe were the only ones that um, kind of they felt some actual pressure from that they couldn't ignore. Uh, but mostly they felt like it wasn't asked at work. I heard a previous um, person on your show just saying that maybe it would be less asked about at work. And that was the, that was the experience of these men that I interviewed. Um, um, yeah, basically from their family was where the pressure came from. Yeah, that idea of feeling unconventional and kind of wanting to take that path less travelled is interesting, isn't it? I, I wonder, mm. um, you know, and that issue of, of feeling as though we do live in a society that's geared towards families or people that will will have kids in their life uh, is yeah. there some room for rethinking the way that that we cater for or consider child-free living yeah absolutely i think so i don't think that means that we need to put less um, funding into families i think that um your first uh, the author that you had on spoke to this as well really nicely in that we do obviously need to still cater for the generations that follow. But I think just acknowledging that there are different pathways that you can take and some not all of them are being a parent and that that would be a really good start. Just an open-mindedness. I know as a society, we're starting to be more open-minded about gender, about sexuality, about all sorts of things. I, it really should probably extend into this idea that being a parent is not the only way to live your life. 
Imogene, thank you for your input into the, the conversation today. Imogene Smith, who is with Deakin University and in the final weeks of her clinical doctorate of psychology, and she was involved in speaking to a, a whole range of men who were living child-free. Lots of texts. Thank you. You've just got so many great things to add to this discussion this morning. Uh, this says, being a 40-something woman without children has its definite pros and cons, but one thing it's not is elitist. More than anything, childless women cop people's uninvited opinions, shame or sympathy. Society has specifically trained women to think that having kids is our life's work, which automatically puts a line between the haves and the have-nots. Um, and this text, interesting, says it's better to be childless thoughtfully than to have children thoughtlessly and another here we spoke to Rochelle uh, whose experience uh, shared her experience of moving to Perth and experiencing the COVID lockdowns and working from home which was really isolating coupled with the fact that it was very hard to catch up with her friends who had kids so she sought um, you know a wonderful network social network online Um, and Mike from Hatfield has written I'm sad that Rochelle was lonely and I'm sad that her friends with children had trouble finding the time to spend with her as a friend but I ask Rochelle please don't give up on those friends with family they need your friendship to too even though it's hard to sometimes make a time um thanks so much for that mike this is the conversation hour as we talk about life child free on abc radio melbourne and victoria this is the conversation hour Associate Professor Melissa Graham has done some really interesting work looking at um, kind of the social expectations and norms around a child-free life. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, Bronwyn. Thanks for having me. You spoke particularly to women um, about this issue. What did you find? Yeah, we've surveyed over a 1,000 women specifically about their experiences of social uh, social exclusion, stigma and social connectedness. And, you know, the the findings are really quite varied. And um, these women um, have experienced both social exclusion as well as opportunities for social connection, which we've heard some of the other people in the show talk about today and and, and some of the text messages and callers. Um, But how this experience has been quite different um, uh, for for individuals, but also for why women didn't um, have children. Uh, For example, society uses the label of mother as something that's really crediting, but childless as something that's really discrediting. And so women who have opted not to have children um, or have chosen through circumstance of not being able to have children have been stereotyped as unnatural, selfish, career-focused, carefree, abnormal, not real or whole women. Um, And and that has quite a negative effect on women's um, social connections and ability to form those Um, connections which can lead to social exclusion which you know this really matters because uh, social exclusion is a key determinant of health it's associated with increased disability morbidity and premature mortality yeah and it's just heartbreaking to think that people are feeling excluded and isolated and lonely as Rochelle earlier was telling us and Melissa you found it was around one in three of the women you spoke to felt quite excluded from community participation didn't they Yeah, so we found that women felt excluded from things like community participation, um, social support, social interactions, um, and just socially excluded because they didn't have children. 
And so what, what I guess, lessons are there in that for, for workplaces, for community services and for people with kids? Like, what, what, what should we be doing with this information? Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, some really common experiences um, that we've come across, and we've heard a lot of them today, um, about experience of discrimination in the workplace, healthcare, religious institutions, all those family-centric type um, events or services. Um, and so I think it's really um, important that as a society, we need to respect the reproductive decisions of all men and women um, and enable and support them to achieve their life aspirations regardless of whether or not this includes parenthood. Um, so making sure that people are um, not left to feel unsupported, left out, excluded, um, you know, not able to fully participate in um, social and community-based activities, not having that experience of expecting to cater in the workplace, for example, to accommodating families with children by working holidays, longer hours, picking up additional work and so forth. So we really just need to think about it from the perspective of um, treating everybody equally um, and, and having some equity in, in the fairness of how we engage with people. Associate Professor Melissa Graham talking with us, Head of Department of Public Health at La Trobe University and uh, has done some work into um, particularly the feelings of social exclusion from women who are child-free. It's interesting you talk about the workplace, Melissa, because I know a few friends I have who don't have kids speak about um, that, that sense. They feel as though there's an expectation or an obligation upon them to you know, to work the longer hours because colleagues with kids have to go to kid pickup, you know, school pickup or childcare pickup or this sort of extra work burden that falls upon them. Has that come through, you know, quite strongly in the work you've done? Yeah, it absolutely has. And that um, notion that, for example, if you don't have children, um, it's also dismissing the idea that you don't have other caring responsibilities or a life outside of work. So the idea of picking up extra hours, working longer hours to um, to support people who do have children to take care of their res responsibilities often isn't reciprocated. And we see this quite a bit in workplace, like flexible workplace policies, which tend to cater to carers of children as opposed to other forms of life requirements or caring responsibilities. Yeah. What initiatives would you like to see to address that issue around social exclusion and isolation? You know, it, it, it's very setting dependent, um, but I think as a society, um, we need to start to normalise um, all of the life choices that people make rather than view, th view them as somehow uh, selfish, which is a lot of people have talked about, mm. um, you know, not view them as a negative life decision or life choice, but actually celebrate all of those life achievements that, you know, are really important um, and not make people feel shamed or stigmatised or make judgments or stereotype them because they've chosen not to have children, um, but rather making sure that we can be accommodating and inclusive um, regardless of whether or not somebody has children and the decision they've made around that. Thank you so much, Associate Professor Melissa Graham, Head of the Department of Public Health at La Trobe University. 
This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This text, morning Brom, when I have six adult children but had no interest early, but married, worked, holidayed, paid off my home, so started at 27. We had only one income and survived. I do understand why people don't want to have a family as times have changed. We now have 13 grandkids and two great grandkids. We have lots of fun get-togethers, says RJ. And this great discussion, Brom, when I'm also in this camp, my new book, The Search for Meaning Beyond Motherhood, is out later this year. Loneliness and social inclusion is a big theme of the book. Um, texts, lots of texts coming through, kind of reflecting on the way Julia Gillard was treated too. This says, you know, she was labelled barren. Another, how about the flack that Julia Gillard copped because she didn't have a child? Um, and this text saying a man would not be labelled like that. And a huge thank you to everyone who opened their hearts and their minds and sent me texts and called through on this topic of living a child-free life. Tomorrow on the Conversation Hour, we'll be revisiting a conversation that Rochelle Hunt and Nick Healy had on how we should be repurposing our unused train stations and train lines. I'll catch you next week. Take care.